You may be seated. Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and Mazel Tov. It's nice to have people back in the building again. I hope I don't have to say that <laughs> anymore. We've just uh, went through a month of closures. Wonderful to have people back celebrating a bat mitzvah and a bar mitzvah, two families for whom this place is, well, it's like home. So it's wonderful. I remember uh, years ago, now I've been a I've been a rabbi for a long time, <laughs> and I remember when I gave one of my uh, first sermons, as I was giving my sermon, I was looking out at the faces of the people that I was speaking with, and I had this slow insipid kind of panic that was going on inside of me. And at the end of the service, one of the older people in the congregation came over to me and said, uh, why do you look so worried? Uh, remember, I was 26 years old. And I said, I'm not sure if what I had in mind actually is what the people heard. And with the kind of wisdom that only someone who's lived more than a few years could actually offer somebody, they said this. I never forgot it. They said, when you stand up and talk, there are actually two sermons going on at the same time. The sermon that you're giving and the sermon that people are hearing. And so one of the ongoing challenges that when you speak to people, and for the record, this isn't just when you stand up in front of a crowd of people and talking. It can be with your spouse, it can be with your children, a parent, a friend, no matter what it is. It's closing the gap between what you think you want to say and what the person actually hears. Not a simple thing, let me just tell you. So this morning, we read the Ten Commandments. Right up there, my friends. Hopefully the camera can catch it too. The Ten Commandments is unquestionably one of the great statements that Judaism has given to the world. Nothing less, of course, than the fact that the image, the symbol of the Ten Commandments is a common symbol to be found in synagogues throughout the world. It is also a symbol that is widely, deeply embraced by all different denominations in Christianity and in Islam. It truly is one of the great contributions that Jews have given to the world the Ten Commandments. So big, so popular, in fact, the old joke is, they made a movie. Shouldn't be any surprise to you, however, that in Judaism, when it comes to talking about the Ten Commandments, eh, we're not so sure. What aren't we so sure of? First of all, we can't agree that there are actually ten. There's one opinion that says that there's eleven, one says twelve, another says, Ryan, you'll be happy to know, thirteen. And why would there be difference of opinion in the realms of Jewish tradition as to how many commandments there are? You might say, well, that's Judaism. There's always a different opinion. But the fact of the matter is, yes, that's true, but also understanding the text of how the Torah is written, which is something that Lenny and Ryan know well now. There are no periods, there are no commas, there are no page numbers. It can be difficult at times to ascertain where an idea begins and where one ends. And so that's one of the reasons why we aren't sure exactly how many Ten Commandments there are. Exactly how the words are translated isn't simple either. But I want to say to you that the God who gave us the Ten Commandments, which is a kind of sermon that God offered us, 
bear in mind, it's probably the only time in the complete biblical record. I'm making a big statement, so pay attention. It is the only time in the entire biblical record that God speaks to the entire people. And so, if the Ten Commandments is God's sermon, what is the sermon that God wanted to give us, and what did we hear? Seems to me what we heard was, is it 10, maybe it's 12, maybe it's 13, where something begins, where something ends, does a word mean this, does a word mean that, we read, lo tignov, do not steal, the rabbi said, does it really mean stealing, it means kidnapping, I could go on and on. But it seems to me God had a bigger idea in its mind. And when I thought about what I was wanted to share with you this week, I asked myself, what's the sermon that God really wanted to give? It seems to me the big story of the Ten Commandments is the story of what the people left and what they were brought to. You have a people who had just endured 400 years of slavery. And not just slavery, but a cruel slavery. And not just a cruel slavery, but a slavery that was bent on destroying them. Remember the beginning. They wanted to kill the Egyptians, the children. They wanted to kill our children. And when that happened, God said, enough. It's enough. You want to enslave a human being? Not so good. Okay, fine. But you touch the children. Oi, favoi. And so the Egyptians refused to let the Israelites go. And over a series of ten plagues that becomes more onerous and more destruction, upon the Egyptians, which culminates in them releasing the Israelites, only when their children die, do they realize the gravity of what they did? The Israelites are freed. They're freed from the slavery with the Egyptians. But they are immediately brought to Mount Sinai, and what are they told? These commandments. God tells them that you will be enslaved to me. And so there's a secret that the Torah is revealing here. A secret that the Torah wants to share with you. And I want to let you in on it. The secret that the Torah wants you to know is that there is no such thing as a truly free human being. We are all enslaved to something. You just need to choose what you're going to be enslaved to. Now, I've been a congregational rabbi for almost 30 years. It's a hard number to say, but I'm, I'm going to say it. And I have seen the gamut of the things that human beings are enslaved to. Some of them healthy, more often not very healthy. The things that humans are enslaved to are pleasures and passions and materialism and work and distractions things that frustrate our abilities to find ourselves, to find meaningful connections with other human beings, 
over and over again the story of our human lives is that we aren't truly free. We engage in a slavery to things that are outside of us all the time. And so the secret that the Torah is sharing with us this morning is the secret of what will you be enslaved to? On one hand, the Israelites were enslaved to a human being who worked them to death. And on the other hand, the Israelites are brought out of there and they are told that they will be enslaved to God. Not to a human and not to a thing. Not to something that you can build or something you can buy, but something that you feel, something that you believe, something that you're enslaved to that doesn't make the other thing better, but something that makes you better. Because after all, God doesn't want anything from you. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your time. God wants you for you to be the best version of yourself. That's what you're enslaved to God for. I thought also of this idea because uh, this evening after Shabbat, Cantor Moses is going to Poland. I know, you're all jealous. Poland in January. It's nothing better, of course. He's going because he's timing his visit with a delegation from Mexico to be in Auschwitz for the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. This past Thursday was the anniversary of the Wannsee Conference. For those of you who don't know what the Wannsee Conference was, in 1942, on November the 20th, there was an assembly of the highest ranking elements of the SS. And they gathered in this beautiful hotel, in this idyllic lake in Wannsee, just outside of the, the suburbs of Berlin and led by Reinhold Heinrich. They plotted out what would be, as they called it, the final solution to the Jewish question. Six months later, Heinrich himself was assassinated in Prague. And as a tribute to his memory, you know, Jews, we name synagogue wings after people who are no longer alive. The Nazis decided to name the murder operation against the Jews of Europe, against Heinrich Himmler. And in his honor, they named Operation Reinhardt the construction of not labor camps like Auschwitz, which was also a death camp, Birkenau, but real death camps where people didn't work in them. The trains brought them and they were exterminated right away. Sobibor, Belzic, Chelmno, Treblinka. You know how many people survived Treblinka? About 30. Because everyone else was murdered. In life, we make a choice of what we're going to be enslaved to. What kind of ideas that we're going to associate and attach our lives with. There are no free people. We make choices in this world about what we're going to hitch our wagons to, what we will believe, what will animate our life, what will be our principles, what will we draw a line in the sand for, what are we prepared to live for. 
And what will, will we defend life against? The reverberations of this are found not only in anniversaries of horrible events. Last week in Texas, a man burst into a synagogue. He associates himself with beliefs that are abhorrent and disgusting and obscurant and violent. He posted and said he just wants to kill Jews. That's what he had said before. And so on this morning when we read the Ten Commandments, we are not only reminded of the things that we should avoid in our life, more importantly in the pursuit of remembering of what Judaism wants the most from us. And that is to be good. And in being good for ourselves, we should inspire goodness in other people. Shabbat shalom. With, with reverence, we now remember the